1: Oh the news. I made a comment in passing when we were pre recorded <laughs> for Labor Day weekend. I made a comment in passing. If any big news drops, we won't have covered it on the Tuesday <laughs> podcast. And then of course, wouldn't yeah. you know it? A Bugatti goes three hundred miles an hour. A, That's, just start of the car. That's just the start of the news. That's just the start of the news. Three hundred miles an hour yeah. in a production car. And I and, and then they promptly said, By the way, Stephen Winkleman, who used to run Lamborghini and is mm-hmm. I think the best dressed man in cars. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he like, yeah, anyway. So so he he runs Bugatti now. used to run Lamborghini, runs Bugatti. And he made the comment where he said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're done. We're not going to try to push. But here's the thing. Everybody, for the past three or four years since the Chiron came out, Koenigsegg, I don't mean, say everybody, but Koenigsegg and um, Hennessy are the first two I think of that mm-hmm. are like, mm-hmm. we're going to do yeah. the first car to break 300. So Bugatti shows up and goes, <clears throat> just did it, and we're done yeah but did you read interestingly it didn 't count towards
0: the world records because it wasn 't the wasn 't both directions the, the both directions yeah. because of the track surface and yeah. so they just left it at that and so other cars will actually be the yeah. world record holders at slower speeds if you can imagine that yeah. And here we have, yeah, the Bugatti. So the Delara company, Dallara in Italy, they make the IndyCar chassis, and they are the the world's leading authority, at least one of them, on carbon fiber construction for race cars. And so they have the Stradale, their, their street car. But they built this extra 10 inches longer long-tail Chiron. So there's been illusions of, you know, hey, will this become a production car? The Chiron LT. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean they had a cage and they did a, a slight modification. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. power was astounding, but I guess when you do 300 you're sort of like, "Good, we're in the club, right?
1: We can stop now?" Yeah. Well, but since no one it's ever incredible. has and it's been that it's been that elusive thing that everybody's talking about, somebody's going to do 300 eventually so Bugatti comes along and goes, "And we're done." <laughs> <laughs> and and I have to ask the question. Uh, I read somewhere about you know how many rev- revolutions a second it was for the tires. Michelin signing on and doing tires for that. That's I honestly think that's been the unspoken hurdle. Has been just yeah tires yeah, you can count on that can go 300. Unreal. Not, not like Unreal. we made a set. No, like no. Go ahead. Go go do 300. Not that any other random person that owns this is going to go do that. In fact, I heard about a documentary here that I know is doing post-production here in Utah Okay, about a right. guy who owned the private owner in the U.S. that owned the Koenigsegg. This is how how you and I think differently than others. A guy in the U.S. that owned the Koenigsegg Regera or Agira or whichever one it was. With Aguera in set, it. Exactly. That set the production record at yeah, 280 right. or whatever it was, right, 275. Right, right. Yeah. The owner of that. Slow car. In the U.S. that did the, the whatever the road was in Nevada didn't do the driving for that run. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. This is my question. You you want to own the car, pay the money, because it wasn't sponsored by Koenigsegg to do that run. You want to pay the money, buy the, pay the documentary company, make sure that the thing does the thing, rent the road. You want to spend all this money and not do the driving so you can say, I own the car that went fast. The driver <laughs> in me is, is like, you're insane. Now, I understand. I understand. Yeah, you want yeah. a really good driver to do this high-speed run. I get that. But- You don't go out and at least try to do 250 because it's your car. I mean, being able to stand on the sidelines and, I don't know, chew on your cigar or something and say, I I own the car, what is that worth? Well, there's
0: a story. If you don't feel comfortable going those speeds, isn't there a story and a personal human achievement in your own self? Yes. I own the car, and so I want to build up speed. I'm going to start with 100 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to start with 150, and then work your way incrementally up to – that's what Bugatti did just now with this speed run. They didn't start, you know, start the car and 300.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's not how exactly well, how it works. Think about James May when he did it in the Veyron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the actual official test driver went out and still beat him. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. the the drama was in the fact that, I mean, now granted, James May is a much better driver than they play it off as. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the yeah, drama is in that. And you would think it. if you owned the car, you wouldn't just stand on the sidelines and be like, that guy went fast in my car. You'd want to at least, okay, I got to do 225 in my car, and then he went and did 270. You'd think you'd want to do something. But this guy apparently just funded the whole thing and went, my car goes fast. I don't get that. But this is not money that I have either. So I drive <laughs> things like a Lotus right. Elise that doesn't go over 130. Like 30. So it's all hey, relative.
0: Hey, as long as we're having at least a as
1: much fun or so much we're, fun we're
0: at 89
1: percent. as much fun at least as the driver in the thing with the speed and the and speaking of speed <laughs> i have i have been uh, editing our 959 versus gt2 rs piece oh, yeah. that's coming to youtube because it i mean look this is yeah. a weird one because we had the opportunity i know those cars are not everyday cars we're aware I am also aware of the fact that it would have been a really odd TV episode to suddenly drop on these very expensive cars and be like, we're driving those. Especially so with a yeah, yeah,
0: brand that we've curated. We and, shot it yeah.
1: like a TV episode, but we're putting it on YouTube because we think it'll play best there. There's some really fast <clears throat> very very fast footage in that piece those two cars combined yes. extremely quick.
0: I would like everyone to know that Todd's well one of your pet peeves among many will mm-hmm. say is sped up footage mm-hmm. and you can tell and you point it out immediately if there's sped up footage in any film or video whatever it is and you're like ah oh. Sped-up footage. See that right there? And you go, oh, yeah, that's sort of disappointing. And it's one of your pet peeves, and you refuse to do it. So I will say, there is no sped-up footage in this film. (laughs) It is what it is. There's some fast stuff in there. Those cars are quick. Two other cars that are of note that uh, dropped over the weekend. Well, Frankfurt Motor Show 2019 is coming at us, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we will cover any notable uh, reveals from that. But the Lamborghini just revealed they are a hybrid manufacturer now. Yes, with uh, a new car called the Xi'an, I believe. Yeah. Cyan, I'm, I'm I working believe on so, my yeah. pronunciation here. Yeah. V12 with a supercapacitor feeding an electric motor, mm-hmm. and we've cracked 800 horsepower, everyone. We're now above 800 in I was worried
1: because, you know. Weren't you
0: concerned about been, what's next I've for them? I've been so
1: bored at 700 and whatever that, you know, where's 800? So, yeah, 800 horsepower. But because it's supercapacitors, this, this is essentially tech. Look, I'm oversimplifying and probably getting some of this wrong, so some of you will send me an angry email. But this is not battery technology that can hang on to power for periods of time. Mm-hmm, it right, charges right. real quick. And then pushes out real quick. But as a result, it's kind of an ebb and flow very quickly, and you can get extra power to the front wheels, the whole system. I think it's just front wheels getting the, the extra power if I'm if I could be wrong on that too. But the point is, this is a hybrid thing.
0: Yeah. For exactly. the first time At in Lamborghini,
1: making yeah. it much, much more powerful and quicker. And all the things that we were worried, because Lamborghini's just been they've been slow. You know, it's been like the FRS and the Lamborghini lineup. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what it's exactly. been
0: Anyway. Exactly. All right. And then finally, many of you have been asking questions about the Taycan, the Porsche Taycan world premiere. Mm -hmm. Um... There's a rant coming on. Just, How long do we have? Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it short.
1: Are you good at? Wow, okay. I, I will
0: do my best. But it, it relates to the questions from our close, Doherty, 787 Dammit Patton, Nico Meager, and many others. Thank mm-hmm. you guys for writing your mm-hmm. questions, asking us to talk about the Tycon. The world premiere has been accomplished. It is out. Finally, the wraps are yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, All the specs are out there. I actually did play with the configurator and got mine up to only $239,000 <laughs> because I forgot <laughs> to buy the extra charge cables and I'm I sorry. forgot to click yeah. those. Uh, you newbie. I know. You yeah. can click the... You can go all the way to 240. Somebody went to 240 or something. Like of course that. you can. And anyway, further than that. Because it's Porsche. The options alone are $50,000. The ones you put on yours? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Because it's Porsche. Mm-hmm. You can have a Toyota Supra worth of options. Why not? Yeah. I agree. So I'm playing around, and I did print my, <clears throat> my whole build, so I you, have you the have to sheet. Post that. You have to post that. I, I should. You really I, should. I got a build number, oh, and God. <laughs> i I... I come to the turbo question, because Porsche has introduced the Taycan with only the turbo and turbo S monikers, and everybody asking is scratching their heads going, "Um, it's all electric, right? Yes. You're not wrong. You're not seeing anything. <laughs> a story for you, quick story for you, and that was a um, a guy I knew mm-hmm. wasn't into cars in any way, yeah. and knew yeah. that I was, and asked me one day, hey, Paul, so what is... I see turbo on the backs of cars. What does turbo mean? Is that just a marketing term? And, before I, you know, bristled and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, I just thought, you know what, you're not in cars and you're genuinely asking, so that's cool. Yeah. And I said, No, no, it's super cool. It's actually forced induction. It's two turbines, mm-hmm. one's driven by the exhaust, and it compresses air on the other end, shoves it back into your engine to make more power out of a smaller engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the benefit is you get better fuel efficiency on the side. So it's this really cool invention. Driving a turbo car is really fun. Mm-hmm. I love turbos. And he said, Oh, cool. So it's not just a marketing thing. I said, no, it's not a marketing thing. I am wrong. <laughs>
1: I am 100% wrong. Well, you are now. But but turbo is just a marketing term. But here's the thing. I know this is odd. I'm going to come not to defense here, but I'm going to see <laughs> if I can walk through their twisted logic. Because this is the same company, by the way, that brought you, in production order, 964-993-997-991. Okay, this is the same company that brought you this n- numerical genius. So, but but here's the thing that Porsche struggles with, and the 911 is the best example. Watch our 50 years of 911 retrospective. Yeah. yeah the yeah. thing that Porsche struggles with from the dawn of the 911 is when they make big changes. The old guard doesn't want to come along.
0: True. And
1: true. they have to make those changes in such a way the 964 is another example. The 964 was first introduced, then the one we drove in the film was this way, first introduced as a four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive 911. That's the first the way they first dropped the 964. And then they were like, yes, we are still making two drive, two-wheel drive versions. Right, and the way they right. got past that hurdle was going, have you seen the 959? That technology is now available to you. So, right. so they keep doing right. things to try to ease their old guard along and also to not completely reinvent the nomenclature for what they do.
0: I would like so, you to tie it in to the person who drives a Panamera Turbo or a Cayenne Turbo mm-hmm, in the showroom mm-hmm. and then looks over at the Taycan and goes, oh, so that's a Turbo, too. So that feeling that I just drove, and that that's what Turbo is. That's it's exactly a, what they're trying to sell. Feeling. because it's a marketing word now that because, is feeling. But I will
1: say to you where they jumped the shark on this and made it not make sense is not now with the Taycan. It's when they took their entire lineup turbo charge and only called the upper levels turbo. I agree to that. But they stayed there because they have created a hierarchy in their listings from base, doesn't have any uh, modifiers, to S, to GTS, to turbo, to turbo S. They created that world. I cannot believe I'm defending Porsche. But anyway, they created that (laughs) nomenclature (laughs) so that their buyer theoretically understands, oh, turbos are the big boys, even though... They're
0: all turbos. They're all turbos. You have
1: a turbo. Here's the thing. Buy a base 718 Cayman right now and get them to put a turbo badge on the back. And when they balk, be like, why is it not a turbo? Exactly. So, yes. So they've already jumped the shark here. The turbo and turbo S are just there. You bought the big boy models because they're not going to put X and XL on it because everybody's going to freak out or whatever they would do. True. It doesn't make any sense. But I'll give you another example. I don't know if you remember this. In the early 2000s, I'm going back and I'm leaving cars. Wow. Okay. In the early 2000s high-definition was a thing. Yeah, right, right. And suddenly, I'm not kidding you, you could walk down the detergent aisle and you would see detergent that said it was high-definition. And my all-time favorite was the Kodak disposable cameras that said high-definition film, which, by the way, doesn't exist. High-definition is a video term, but it became such a thing for latest, greatest, and awesome that high-definition was showing up on other products, and the best one ever was the Kodak disposable that said high-definition on it because I was like... You know that's not possible, right? So this is what's happened to Turbo. <laughs> is it like gluten free on Turbo a bag has. of corn
0: chips. It's like, well, yeah, something that was gluten free already, exactly. and now we know that it's gluten
1: free. It is. So, so <sighs> we've reached that with Turbo. I don't look. I don't like this. I see the progression that got us here, though.
0: I I'm just astounded that they actually. You're right. It, it's a demarcation of. The high-end model. It's their hierarchy. It's no longer a word that means an object
1: that creates forced induction. It is no longer that. The minute their whole lineups went to all turbo engines, it became irrelevant. It's just now we're really feeling it because now we've left internal combustion entirely. Well, and and the Turbo S, the,
0: the letter after turbo, that's just a determination of performance. That's just more. The S is we'll see. There's an extra letter. There's more letters. Tycon, Tycon plus, Tycon plus plus. I'm sure. Yeah. How about something? Because they're in brand new territory. Yes. So they had the opportunity to not do this because it was a. Brand new platform, yes. brand new technology, yes. brand new car for Porsche. This is a groundbreaking moment. It is. So they had their opportunity to say, all right, wipe in the slate clean. We're going to start with a new electric nomenclature from here on out. The turbos will remain on the mm-hmm. internal combustion engine cars. <laughs> that are all now turbo, are even though they aren't all called turbo. All you turbo-ed. see how awful this gets oh quickly. My gosh.
1: We're just, we're lost in a quagmire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, we noticed all of you noticed as well,
1: mm-hmm. we should suspend our
0: disbelief, our clothes. We, we should.
1: On this Taycan, and you and I are genuinely very excited to drive it. Absolutely. I think it looks surprisingly close to the Mission E concept, which is a victory. Because that was a very yes. cool looking car. Yes. I think the wheels look surprisingly dated, but that's a side note. We can always solve wheels.
0: Yeah, no worries. No what no is worries.
1: Chris doing? Asked another Taycan question. I wanted to put it right here. He's saying, do we actually think this will bring people out of Tesla he, and he's making big broad assumptions. He's saying let's assume it's better to drive. Let's assume it has better build quality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Will people leave Tesla if it doesn't have Tesla's automated driving features? That's a fantastic question. And I think yeah. I think it comes down to there is a group of there are a group of car consumers that would like to drive as little as possible. True? True. And they're never going to buy a Tycon even if the prices are aligned. Mm-hmm. But there is that same group of people that they want to feel involved. They want to feel vital. They want to be involved in the driving. And so they look at the Taycan versus the Tesla, and they're never going to buy the Tesla. The, the Taycan could be the less well-built of the two and the less good driving of the two. But if it, but if it actually involves them, they're going to go that way. We're, what we're yeah. going to see here, yeah. I think, right, with this car, is we're going to see a demarcation of what's your interest level in being involved. And if the way you yeah. drive this is only sitting on the 405, you're going to want those automatic pilot features.
0: I mean, what I love is that Tesla has shot across the bow for every car company on the planet.
1: Oh, for and sure. pushed for sure. car
0: companies into doing this. I firmly believe that if Teslas did not exist and mm-hmm. Tesla had failed as a company the Taycan would not exist. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in saying that. And for for all the electric cars, folks, that are coming at us in 2020 and beyond, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mercedes is introducing cars. Everybody is going, you know, the e-tron, the Audi e-tron. Everybody's doing it. I firmly believe those cars would be further out on the production cycle or not even exist on the roadmap if Tesla didn't exist. So Tesla has... Kickstarted everybody in that sense. Yes. But they are software people. Porsche is a driving company. They're all mm-hmm. about driving. Mm-hmm. And you've noticed that nowhere in all of the Porsche Tycon information that we consume on the internet is anywhere saying that, oh, this is gonna be somewhere drive yourself autonomous. That's not mentioned because mm-hmm. Porsches are built to be driven by the person.
1: There's a brand delineation That is going the on demarcation. You're, right. You're absolutely right. So
0: it's yes. car, a car company. We know how mm-hmm. to build cars yes. at the highest level. We know racing. We've got race history versus the software folks mm-hmm. have now designed and built a competing car. Very interesting. And we know it? there's going to be a lot of car comparisons. A lot yeah. of outlets will do this. Yeah. And we want to do the same thing. We of want course. to yeah, bring yeah. our own opinions and, and our own take on things yeah. for, for a, a television season or a television episode. Yeah, for sure. But I I find it fascinating that Tesla has kickstarted everybody right in the teeth. Mm -hmm. I mean, just punched everybody. And here's the Ticon.
1: Doesn't matter if you're late to the game. Yeah. Well, what I find fascinating about this is that, and and I know we could keep going on this topic, but what I find fascinating about this is mainstream media, I mean, non-car media, would have you believe that all that's really going on in the car world right now is electric cars. And mm-hmm. every car company you can think of is killing themselves to try to make a competitive, interesting electric car to get that coverage and to be in that pool. And yet, sales-wise, we're talking about less than 5% of the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the yeah. action, all of the press coverage, all of the let's kill ourselves is going under that 5% of the market, while what's everybody really buying? Another bland, similar-looking, probably in gray, five-seat SUV. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Let's guy. Let's get good cars. We have two good car debates we coming up that are good. going to be very good. We've got Peter writing in for his girlfriend's father. So that's going to be interesting to unpack here in a second. We also have Reed writing in and uh, he would like to wait longer for more budget to buy a car, but he doesn't think he can stand it. So we're going to solve that as well. Peter is a student at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville.
0: He's also good friends with Ben. Ben helped, yeah. helped us out on the Corvette shoot. I can't believe it's Nearly a year ago, mm-hmm. that we shot the film and it came out in uh, early 2019, late 2018. And if you still haven't seen the American original Corvette Generations film, we'd love to see you. Uh,
1: love to have you see that. Don't know if you heard, but there's a C8 there's out a, now. So a there's a whole out. yeah, yeah exactly. first seven generations. Yeah, anyway.
0: So there's a connection there with Peter, and he cool. writes in because I think he wants to impress his girlfriend's dad. His, dad, his girlfriend's dad's name is Robert yes all right so he knows that ben is associated with the show Everyday That's Driver, cool. That's and cool. so he knew to write in and so peter thanks for your email and a um, bit of a uh, room full of rakes here we'll have to try lightly no no lightly. no
1: this is worse no this is worse than that I, P- peter i'm going to stop right here for a second when i read when i read the following sentence <laughs> i am in college I'm helping my girlfriend, my college girlfriend's father shop for a car. Please, Robert, Peter, please, no one get offended here, but I'm just giving you what I what I think of when I read that. College girlfriend. Maybe you'll end up with her. Maybe you won't. Hmm. Hmm. She's not your fiancé. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to, to to poke holes in anything. But here, just I'm thinking about, you're in college. It's your college girlfriend. My college girlfriend's dad wants to buy a car. I'm going to help him. That is a room full of rakes and landmines. <laughs> oh, we've added landmines. We've now. added landmines. Wow. Seriously. Because because if that relationship goes the least bit sour, or you anger the... the uh, is this your potential father-in-law? I mean, the whole thing. This is... The best part is we still get to help somebody. We get to help we Robert. Do. We do. We get to talk to Robert. But, but the whole... The, the, the way we get Get here could be potentially fraught. Let's just go with fraught. We're going to tiptoe. Yes. Robert, we're going
0: to tiptoe. Welcome to the podcast. Hopefully, you're going to continue listening because we've got a lot of great suggestions for you here. (laughs) Robert is an enthusiast, loves cars, and Peter says he's previously owned stuff like a Twin Turbo 300Z, BMW M Roadster. He currently has a 2011 BMW 335 automatic. And he's in Atlanta, so this has 120,000 miles because he sits in traffic a lot. Wow! He's got a 75 mile round trip commute, and so there's no concern for all wheel drive or winter tires or yeah, driving cool. conditions. That's cool. He loves the manual, of course, as we all do. But because of the commute, and he said he tried the M Roadster commute, didn't work out. Mm. So no longer owns that car, and here he is with starting to get some miles on the BMW. Yeah, and hey, yeah. wanting something different. Mm-hmm. He's got a forty thousand dollar budget, limiting me to forty five thousand dollars, which I'm going to use all of that. Oh, and of you uh, are. it's got to be an automatic. It's got to be comfortable, reliable. Mm-hmm. But his concern is the preciousness. He wants an M2 competition. He drove the M2 competition. It is sold, sure. sold, sold, sold. <laughs> M2 competitions at this point in time are not forty five thousand. They're not
1: in this budget. They aren't, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah.
0: So he wants the car. Can't even if he could. It seems like he couldn't justify. Well, I've got this hot thing, and I'm just piling up the miles, Mm -hmm. just commute miles. I'd rather have the commuter, and then in a few years really think about what's next yeah. when <clears throat> C8s are now used and they're available, <laughs> just getting... anyway. There's a preciousness
1: concern here about if he spends yeah. a little more than he thinks he can really, really wants to spend. Because what he'd really like to spend is 30 to 40. He's gone to 45 for us, but he'd like to spend 30 to 40. Yeah, 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 so if yeah, he yeah, spends yeah. 45 or up, <laughs> then how <laughs> precious is he going to be with that car? Which leads to the question of, is there one car in this equation, or should he buy essentially just... A commute beater. I mean, halfway decent, but just something to commute in and down the line by something more dynamic and fun.
0: Robert, I went through a lot of stuff in my head and I went round and round and I thought, I want you to have a Toyota Supra. Because of the BMW connection, because of the build. Oh, I see. I want you in a Supra because yeah. it's an automatic, because it's going to be comfortable. Yeah, that's good. I want you in a Supra, but they're not $45,000 as well. They're
1: the really not. If that's the the upper end, you're, and then you're going to find that dealer who wants to add $10,000 oh, for no. market adjustment, which is net not no. true. So, yeah, not going to happen.
0: All right. So, throwing the Supra out, even though I think you should go drive it, it's because a, maybe, yeah. having driven the M2 competition, maybe... That is the competitor to the Supra. Yeah. Well, they're the same price. So, all right, throw that out. We'll throw that out. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a car that I think you will love. Okay. We've driven it recently. As a matter of fact, we drove it in the Blue Cars episode Mm. for season five. Okay. And it is the Genesis G70. If you have never considered Hyundai, Kia, and the goodness that they are building, the great cars that they're building— I encourage you to go drive the G70. Drive one fully loaded. Now, the one that we had in that episode was not $34,000. That's where they start. Yes. You can load them out in a a lot of various ways. But go drive one. Well, I think this is the good balance of everything mm -hmm. you're looking for and the preciousness factor because of, you know, oh, I'm driving a hot sports car and I'm just piling up the miles you won't have that concern with that car, that's good. and you'll that's be pointed good. towards your future where you can get that fun car. Interesting,
1: I like that actually, because let me unpack that a little further, because I like that you went there. That G70 that we had, of course, was the press car special, which mm-hmm. means if we can check a box, it got checked, and handed exactly. to us, and it was like fifty one, fifty two thousand dollars 52000 which was obviously is above yeah. his budget, but that's give us everything. Right, right. The, I fully believe that the $45,000 version of that car is still going to be excellent to drive. Couldn't agree more. That's where my head's at. Okay. All yeah. right. I, I do like that quite a bit. I think that's a really good one. My question for you, Robert, and and Peter, you, you guys can unpack this together. Rakes and landmines. Anyway, <laughs> my question for you is if you buy a commuter car right now are you, and you're buying a dynamic fun car later, is that going to get used? And, and only you can answer that. But what I'm worried about is if you buy something that is just about the commuter car. That solves that problem now and you think I'll buy a dynamic car for later. My question for you is when are you driving that? Because there's not mention in here that you go to the track. There's not mention in here that on the weekend you like to go to fun drives. So what I'm concerned about is you're going to have a car that you drive this long commute every day and you look at the car that sits in the garage for the weekends when you never actually drive it. Mm-hmm. That's my concern. Mm-hmm. Now, only you can answer that. There isn't anything in this story that tells us how that situation goes. But that makes me want to lean toward where you went, Paul, which is get something that is good for all of the above, which made me wonder. Look, I, I, I love your Super because of the BMW connection. I like the G7. I, it, it would be perfect. But the but Super is right at the M2 it's competition level, yeah, and it's totally. way out there and blah. Yes, the M2 competition, great. we got a piece coming up on that one too. If you wanted to do commute car, gti with the dsg sure i could definitely see just solid commute car has some spunk very comfortable too exactly all of the above would be great for that but if if i tried to merge the worlds of dynamic fun car that you don't have to be precious about you can afford genuinely fun to drive solid auto still still a sporty car what about a miata rf Oh, much smaller, but Ma- that is comfortable. Yes. No, no, no. They're, that's the thing. I mean, you don't. That's an amazing car to totally. suggest. Actually m- don't like mention anything like in here, Peter, about how, uh, how uh, Robert, we don't know if you're a big guy or not, but I'm looking at the stuff you've owned. You've had an M Roadster. You've had a, a twin turbo 300ZX. I mean, I get the impression that you're okay with smaller sports cars. Let's go back to that. Yeah. What about a Miata yeah. RF? Now, that car, you know, you're going to find that for less than 40 probably, maybe 40 depending on how you load it up. But the auto in that is worthwhile. Is it more fun manual? Of course it is. But you want an auto, and that auto is – there's nothing wrong with that auto. We drove it with auto. Hmm. So get hmm. it with the auto. When you have a really nice day in Atlanta, when it's not roasting, you can drop the top. But if it's terrible weather out, who cares? Drive that and commute it. You'll fit anywhere. Get one with the upgraded engine. A little more power. I think this blends your world. I think it takes you back to the sports car you're longing for. Yeah. But I think it's a car that you can just, I'm just commuting. I'm just driving this car. Why not a Miata RF? That, that's my shot on this one. That's interesting. Robert, for the sake of being contrarian, you know I have to. Because
0: yeah. I've got two competing thoughts here. And that is, will owning the sports car now, and maybe it's at the lower end of your budget, mm-hmm. take away the desire or even the need for that future sports car? But I or don't think this future sports car gets used. instant gratification right I think so. now? so. And actually be a good thing? I'm kind of leaning like I'm I'm like fifty three percent towards that
1: one. I'm I'm worried about the dynamic car later doesn't really get used, and that would be a tragedy. All right, so instant gratification clearly
0: (laughs) buy it now. Even if you can't afford it, just buy it now. That's that's our entire motto. Take a loan, driver car debate. You can't afford it,
1: buy it anyway. We are not financial planners (laughs) here.
0: If you've got your own debate, please write to us. And by the way, I have thought about reading through all of your debates, and of course we can't get to all of them, and for that we apologize. But I have thought that for the folks who write out the the debates, I think it's actually cathartic and helpful to see your own words and your own opinions appear before your eyes on Mm. paper and then... Actually help you work through your own driving homework. So I'm I'm saying mm-hmm. write to us. We do want to hear you. We want your debates. Please write to us. We, we read love em. your stories. We read them. We just can't cover them But if we can't cover we them, all, read them, hopefully they're still helpful to you.
1: I see that. And for then sure. later
0: yeah. on when you do buy a car, please write to us as well for car conclusions. We're going to be featuring more of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's one coming up in a few episodes here. We're going to be doing that. And then of course if we feature you on the debate, please write to us. You know whenever you buy something, we'd love to hear what you end up buying. Love it. And speaking of buying cars, don't forget on the website Everyday Driver, where you can also contact us, there's a GoFundMe page <laughs> yes, where Todd is. and I are explaining our <clears throat> desire, our pursuit of the Phaeton, the Volkswagen
1: Phaeton. And it's kind of a Jag virus at XJR. this point. It really is all bad. Yeah. And so
0: over late Labor Day weekend, we were sent, as you probably know by now, from mm-hmm. Nick Rio... A link to a very (laughs) janky used car lot in Tacoma that had a Phaeton on the lot. And you went. And I drove it. And I'm not telling anybody how it drove because we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But I did
1: test drive it. Here's the grand irony. Here's the grand irony of the situation. You went because you were already in town (laughs) and you could go buy it. And by the time you got out of that car, here's the absurdity of this story. By the time you get out of that car, by the way, we are not getting that one because we find the suspension to be quite suspect on that one that was for sale. It was kneeling like a bus. Which is not intended. (laughs) But here's what's funny. Here's what's hysterical. You have now driven a Phaeton more than I have. I know. I know. That's the absurdity of this Which story. Crazy. So the whole point of the GoFundMe is to try to get into each of those cars so that we can do probably six months worth of coverage on it. It'll be TV coverage. It'll be YouTube coverage. It'll be many, I'm sure, ridiculous stories. It'll be the fate and follies. Yeah. That uh, just struck <laughs> me right oh, now. wow. It's all going to happen. And then so raffling that will the cars at the end. So. All of that is intended yeah. to happen. If you'd like to be a part of that, you'd like to make that happen, uh, that's what that GoFundMe is for. I will say again... That money is just for those cars. If we don't raise what we need to get those cars, we're refunding all of it. Yes. So this is a focused effort. If you'd like to be a part of that, we greatly appreciate the support. Thank you to all of you that already done it. It's very cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's growing and uh, lots more content to come. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately... You can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for
1: into AutoTempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more. Or you can jump to AutoTrader or Car Gurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. AutoTempest.com has got you covered there all at once.
0: Tempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Tempest listen to this podcast and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research
1: tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we are all the time, AutoTempest.com is your place to start. Summer is finally here, and
0: with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs.
1: Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine.
0: These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year
1: long. We swear by our custom sunscreens. I I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page.
0: We've got folks from around the world who frequently ask us about the roads we shoot on, but they also ask us about great driving roads near them. Now there's an app that will help anyone worldwide discover and share the best
1: driving roads everywhere. Driveline app allows you to easily record and classify your favorite road. You can even mark great pit stops and attach photos and videos if you like. With Driveline, you can follow people in
0: great areas. You can search an area you've never seen, and if you find a route you like, you select Drive It, and
1: you'll be guided to the beginning of a new favorite drive. You can even earn points and patches for your activity on the app. These build up toward actual car giveaways. That's right. As the community grows, Driveline will be giving away cars to members, and your postings and drivings get you entered to win.
0: We've never seen anything like this, and we love the mixture of community and great drives. You can get in early right now to help shape the app and the community as well. Download Driveline to your phone today, start sharing your favorite roads, meet other drivers, and find a new route for your next adventure. Reed S. is in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he can't wait that long. He was hoping to wait until he was 25 to own a fun car. He's currently 23 as of this recording, and he's hoping to hold out. He is an architectural associate in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I get it. You've got the cherry job, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. and you want a cool car that says...
1: Architect And, well, says, I have a solid job and I love yeah. cars. He's been driving an 06 Nissan Altima 2.5S. He says, thanks to his parents for buying a great car that's run really well. But he's driven this car for seven and a half years. Good time for change. So he's it's very much wanting to move on. He so wanted to wait until the 25-year-old insurance drops. But I think we're buying now.
0: I think your insurance agent is going to gleefully rub their yes. hands together and, yes. s- and just think, now – What sort of furniture do I want to buy from my new boat? Reed, thanks for calling. Oh, Reed, it's you. (laughs) We're kidding, but sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, yeah, it's key. All right, so he's got a 15-minute commute each day. That's a non-issue, but he and his girlfriend love to take weekend trips out to Kansas City, Des Moines, Minneapolis. And so he's looking for something hot but affordable. Hot Mm -hmm.
1: yet affordable. Those are often counterintuitive, but anyway, all right, off we go. Does that yeah.
0: apply to more than just cars? Anyway, sorry, moving, moving on.
1: Easy, easy. <laughs> He's Family, a- podcast. <laughs> Family podcast. Family <laughs> podcast.
0: He's expecting to be pre-owned and a few years old, and his girlfriend says it's got to be four doors. Trying to stay under 25000 definitely cannot go over thirty. so okay. I've got a $5,000 buffer. He says, Paul, spend it wisely. I think I have, Reed. I think okay, I have. Good, good. He wants a good conversation piece, something that's powerful, comfortable, has an interior that fits its luxury title. Okay. And therefore, he's given us choices like the Mercedes CLA 45 AMG, but he says the interior doesn't quite look up to snuff. Yeah. He's liking the Audi S3, the A5, the S5 Sportback. He likes the A220 Mercedes, the C300. So he's looking at, of course, luxury brands that have that perception. They genuinely are, and they're mm-hmm. fun to drive cars. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But he also brings up the Lexus IS and the Kia Stinger and Mm -hmm. asks for ammunition against his friends who are laughing uncontrollably at the thought of a Kia Stinger. All you have to do is say the words Luke Donkervolke and he is the Good luck on that by the way. You're going to trip all over that one, but good luck. He comes from Lamborghini. He designed the Murciélago when he was with Lamborghini. Then he went to Bentley, and then Sang Yep Lee was already at Hyundai and recruited him to come mm-hmm. on over. And along with Chris Chapman, who designed the original BMW X5, the three of them head up what is all of pretty much Kia, Hyundai and Genesis styling. And mm-hmm. Luke is in charge of the new Genesis brand. The guy rocks. And plus I'm I know he keeps a
1: Porsche in LA and owns our nine eleven films so which is very cool. Plus really h- cool. H- here's the other thing though. Kia and Hyundai All of the guys from 10 years ago that were running Audi and BMW on the way they looked and they drove, guess where they're all working now? Kia and Hyundai. Exactly right. So that's where their dynamics and their styling are coming from is the stuff that we liked in the last 5 or 10 years from Audi and BMW. That's what's going on right there. They're enthusiasts. They're
0: drivers. So if they can join a company like that and like it and this is where they want to have their careers… I think it's okay,
1: but but think about us driving the Stinger. You just recommended the G seventy on the last uh, yep. car debate. The dynamics are there too. They're they're genuinely there. Reed, I played around
0: with the uh, idea of the Lexus, but I think it's going to feel old quickly to you. It's not mm. going to live up to the standards that you have spelled out here. I thought of the Stinger. I thought of the Mazda six. I thought of the hmm. Alpha Julia. Yeah, and I even considered the Civic Type R.
1: Hmm. Okay. But I
0: found your car. It is none of those.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Welcome for $30,000 to your 2018 and newer Acura TLX A-Spec with the technology package for $30,000 all day long. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them for sale. Well done. Slightly used, ranging from 17 to 34,000 miles. They're bang on 30. Hmm. Done. We Hmm. love how Acuras are actually... They're doing great. They're they're well-deserved for this super handling all-wheel drive architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fun to drive. They are a luxury item. They feel great to drive, mm-hmm. and they're well-built. They feel like what you paid for them. Acura. Interesting. TLX, A-Spec. Get a color. You'll be get rocking a color. it.
1: Get a color. I like that. I like that. I have two, and they're very different, but I have two. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Well, bravo on that. Thank you. First off, I, hang on. Hang on. Wait just a second, Reed. I have to stop for a second. You're 23. You take road trips. Mm-hmm. You have a girlfriend. Your girlfriend says it has to be four doors. Here's my question for you and your girlfriend: <laughs> Why? Oh, why? It, you're not a dog. Hauling, you're not hauling a dog. You don't have kids. You aren't taking friends with you. It's the two of you going on a road trip. Why do you need? Need is my question. Why do you need four doors? Why does it have to be a four door car? Insurance? I don't think it does.
0: Okay. I, can, I like that. I like you poking it I, I at.
1: it. You, you may have – look, there I may like be an answer and a reason as to exactly why, but it isn't stated here. Just my girlfriend says it has to be four doors. I'm like, explain to me why. Hmm. I do the school run in a car that most people could step on. Okay? So, so, so what is, quote, unquote, required? You can't see my air quotes. <laughs> what is required is really gray here in the world of cars. So I have one car to recommend to you that's a 2 plus 2 little older, but I think it checks all the boxes. And then newer, a newer one to mention as well. First off, I'll go older. BMW 335 IS. Love it. It's stealth to the people that don't know what it is, but it is a conversation starter with enthusiasts. $20,000 gets you one. Easy, easy. So you've got money left over. It's an older car, so it's helping you on insurance. That's true. Good it's, point. It's hot. It's luxurious. It's all of these things you want. But because it's older, your insurance company is not going to hit you nearly as hard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's a real candidate here. Now, look, if you had to go four doors, the E90 from that generation, you can get that in a hotted up version and the, it, below the M3, by the way, that's still good to drive. Mm-hmm. Right, but I right. really think the IS is a special, it's a moment in time car that, watch our original review, too expensive and not interesting enough when it first came out at 50 grand, but at 20, very compelling car. Hot, but affordable. So there's that. The other one I want to bring up is, go get yourself a, one-year-old Julia. Okay, yeah. Get I've, yourself an I've alpha, Julia.
0: This. I thought of this.
1: And look, it's still going to be well within manufacturer's warranty. I Look, I've heard, we all know, we've all heard the Julia horror stories. But behind every one of those horror stories are tons of people that are driving these cars and they just run. And you and I have touroed two different ones yeah. that were base Julias in Los Angeles that were touroed constantly and never had a problem. And the nice thing about the base Julias is they are – they're not overly powerful, but that will probably help you on insurance. They're genuinely fun to drive. And you never drive them and just think, this is slow. It's not the Quadrifoglio, which is crazy, ridiculous fun. But you never drive the base Julia and just think, no, this isn't fast. (laughs) They're genuinely fun. Right. So I think a six-month-old, one-year-old Julia – uh, try to get the sport pack on that, which has the big moose antler paddles. But you're going to prefer that with the LSD. But even if watch our blue cars episode again, it re- re- relates to that. Yeah, that's for a sure. really good car to drive, and I think you'd thoroughly enjoy it. Those are my two very different: the Julia and the 335iS. And ask the question: Look, I'll run into the room of rakes and landmines, <laughs> and say to your girlfriend, "Why four doors? <laughs> Defend,
0: <laughs> go." Reed, thank you very much for your email. Really appreciate it. Good luck with your career. Please keep us posted on what you buy because it sounds like it's imminent. So we definitely want to know. All right. We're jumping to social media questions and a question from Steve Urban I tackled with gusto. What is the okay. spectrum of sacrifice regarding transmission? Oh, I like
1: this. That's good.
0: I have decided, Steve, that on the, the raw end of things. Okay. Yeah would be a WRC rally car with straight-cut gears and a sequential transmission. Well done. Well done. Or maybe a Caterham sequential transmission. So somewhere out there. there. Yeah. But the, the rally car will be far more. And by the way, the straight-cut gears, only really used in motorsports. But we drove that Yikes. Caterham,
1: what was it, the 720 that we drove? Yeah. It had the sequential, and that was crazy but really fun.
0: Really fun. So that's way out here on the, wow, I don't want to have to drive that's this. That's your Lotus day. equivalent. Yeah, it it is. got it. Okay. It it is. Is. Somewhere in the middle, I think, are two transmissions vying for the middle spot. One's a manual. One's an automatic. But they're both so good, they could we could debate the merits and go a laundry list, a mile long. Okay. Honda S2000, shifter in that.
1: Sure. Versus the new, the programming of the Toyota Supra automatic. Hmm. So, yeah, I see those as on either side of the middle. Both excellent, but I see them on either side of the middle.
0: They're, they're kind of fighting, you know, right yeah. in the middle, who's back and forth. Maybe one day it's one car, one day yeah. it's another car. And then on the far end of you can have everything and eat it too, you eat your cake too, a Porsche PDK.
1: Well, but see, if we're doing the spectrum, though, if we're doing the spectrum, though, the other side of the spectrum has got to be a CVT. The other end from the straight cut gears. Uh, okay, has got to be CVT. I, I
0: can see that. That that would be the horribleness from from I, I don't greatest want that. thing ever
1: to worst thing ever. This is the spectrum, you know. And so if we're talk, but but CVTs get great grass mileage and they're dead easy to drive, which is the exact opposite of your straight cut gears. Okay, I suppose I, I can see that.
0: PDK is is got to be mentioned. It is yeah, on I agree. the list somewhere. But I I see it as the the opposite of. It's so easy to drive, but gives you all the performance of a race car, essentially.
1: I I almost think, using your examples, I think I would go from, from most crazy to, to most uh, easygoing. I think I would go straight cut Caterham, S2000, PDK in the middle, Supra 8-speed, and then the, the CVT. Actually, you know what? Then there, there's got to be another space for just traditional automatic that you'd find in your Ultima, and okay. then CVT. Okay,
0: yeah, CVT, I suppose, is
1: way out there yeah. at the
0: end. Yeah, I can see that.
1: I, yeah, we mentioned CVT Because the Supra, the, the, the Alpha Julia is another example, where you take an 8-speed ZF auto and you just go, how is this this good? Yeah, the exactly. The Z4 BMW exactly. is the same. The, granted, it's the same transmission as the, as the super, but it's all of these where it's not a dual clutch and you just think, do I need a dual clutch if this yeah. is this good? what on earth? How yeah. are they this good? Yeah. But the PDK is awesome. I, I see where you are. I like that one. That's a good tackle on that. Interesting forgot about CVT's. I just – I block them out of my head. <laughs> well, but if we're talking a spectrum of sacrifice, sacrifice is there because gas ad, mileage is up. That is a sacrifice. Woo-hoo. But the drone's back. Anyway, I am the problem28 on Instagram has an interesting comment, question. Uh, I just want to unpack this a bit. He says he's enjoying the new Fast Blast on YouTube. Thank you. I'm glad you like him. He said our production values are far above the typical YouTube content um, – not that YouTube cares. That does not benefit <laughs> us on YouTube. I, thank you for saying that. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you feel that way. I hope you're watching our TV show because here's the thing that makes me laugh. The fast blasts are a fraction of the effort and the production value of what we're doing for TV. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's on purpose because we realized uh, painfully after being on YouTube for more than a decade how much that production value doesn't matter. Views on YouTube and doesn't matter to the YouTube algorithm and how they promote. None of that matters. So we've gone much more simple with YouTube. I'm glad you still feel like there's good production value there because honestly, I was joking with Paul about this earlier. I kind of care too much, so I'm I'm concerned about things yeah. having a certain standard even when we do them kind of you know fast and fast and loose. So I'm glad you're liking them. Uh, you said that. You hope we get more views. Thank you for that. You had a question on uh, the Civic Type R piece. You said, well, "What's going on with that weird spinning shot?" We have a 360 camera that that is a very specialized tool. We have a 360 camera that shoots, as the name suggests, all around, and then you can in post decide what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. embraced it on the Civic Type R, and I actually took a couple of hairpins there, and I actually swooped around the corner with the camera while the car is doing something else. It's fun to do in post. It's a bit gimmicky. One of the things that we continue to learn production-wise is that you buy a lot of fun tools, and then you decide what that tool is good for. Right, Because right. what happens, and I'll give you the best example on the planet. When the Steadicam was first introduced and then got really good, and now we have you know single handheld one camera hold it with one hand gimbals. Yeah, right, right. Everybody has embraced those. YouTube has gone nuts with those. So many vloggers use them. The problem is once you shoot everything with that, all your footage looks the same. Yeah. And then everybody's channel looks the same. And so we we pull out lots of different tools to get different kinds of shots. And any time we lean too heavily on one piece of gear, I'm in the edit room going, guys, what were you doing? Because everything starts to look the same. So this 360 camera was something we kind of rolled the dice on a little bit, and we've put it on a few. You'll see it in some upcoming shoots as well. We we mount it now and then, and truthfully, we'll mount it and get five, ten minutes worth of footage. and might use... Ten seconds. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we just find something that's cool and just like that's a fun view and then we move on. Because if you lean too heavily on anything, it just becomes Sameness.
0: Well, what's fun is you and I have decided to use new gear tech and try them out for Fast Blast. Because yes, true. Yeah, we need to come away with footage. But if there's something, you know, we try it out and, it, hey, that's different and cool. Mm-hmm, we'll mm-hmm. throw that in. Or, you know what, that just didn't work. We haven't wasted a lot of our time on that particular shoot knowing that, well, this is for TV and then it mm-hmm. goes to Amazon. So we've got to come away with the footage mm-hmm. versus a YouTube Fast Blast. We can cover that over with just, you know, the, the front
1: GoPro or it's, something it's like that. It's become our production which which testing nice. ground. You're right, which is perfect. Perfect for that as yep. well. And I'm glad you're responding. Thank you for that, those comments.
0: All right. So there's a question on Instagram. Patrick Schaefer says, how come the color red works great for some companies like Ferrari and Mazda, but when it comes to automakers like BMW, the color doesn't seem to work for their vehicles? I think, uh, well, everybody in the the everyday driver universe, you know, in, in production and, and uh, everybody helping us out knows that I have this proclivity for naming colors and yes, always do. sends, you know, mm-hmm. they find a funny car color and say, okay, what's this color? And uh-huh. so I like to come up yes, with funny you do. names. So I think, Patrick, that it is association.
1: You mm. associate color
0: mm. with a particular brand, and that's okay. built okay. over time. And that is something that car manufacturers... Well, I'll be honest. Almost any company works and strives hard to be associated with that color once they decide this is our brand. This mm-hmm. is who we represent.
1: You think Yamaha.
0: Blue. Right? Okay. Kawasaki was always green.
1: Yeah, but definitely on that Hondas
0: one. are red. So when it comes Ducati's to cars, are red.
1: We've got a m- motorcycle thing going as a trend here for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right. So for cars, McLarens are orange. Yeah. Renaults are yellow. Okay. Hondas and Ferraris and Mazdas are red. Audis and Lexi and Acuras are white. Yeah. Astons are gray. Lamborghinis are green and searing LASIK orange. Somebody finally found the colors we got there. Yeah. Porsches are silver or black or red. Oh, yeah. Fords are blue. Think GT500 Mustang and think yeah. Focus RS yeah, and yeah. the Ford GT and the Shelby Association that Ford has. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. blue. So it, it's something that I think car companies have strived to Generate and associate themselves but then when it comes down to particular models of course anybody can paint their car any color they want sure yeah yeah. But then you see something you think whoa that that works. I do like Ferraris and in that French blue That's just gorgeous Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, but it is association with the brand and what they've cultivated over the years Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why you know a car comes out in a crazy color and you think Lamborghinis and red Lamborghinis are not red Hmm. Ferrari's are red. What's, what on earth? Interesting. But that doesn't mean a particular car can't look gorgeous and just turn everything on its ear. You see a Lexus in that gorgeous electric blue. You think, Yeah. Whoa. We just had it on the RC350. That was a great looking color. Gorgeous yeah. color. And so I think car companies have an opportunity to be able to do that, even though they've associated like Lexus's are white. But then when they come out with a special car hmm. and hmm. painted a different color, that really gets attention. That really... You notice that. And so color, the study of it, color theory, all of that is huge for car companies. It is massive because you're noticing
1: that association. That's interesting. I also wonder, and I'm thinking aloud here, I think that red and yellow, And granted I'm the guy that I love cars of color, I think red and yellow are the two hardest colors to get right.
0: I can There's see that. slight yeah. variations on yeah. either
1: side where it's just like that's not working as well anymore, you know. And if you think about uh, if you think about the Mazda the Mazda Red right now, has it's it's not orange at all. No, it's a very deep, dark kind of headed toward a rose red. It's kind of that it's, color. It's a sophisticated color. Very much, it's very much, which makes luxurious. it work. And a lot of times, I feel like the the BMW Red is oranger. I also think mm-hmm. it's flatter. I think red is a is a color that desperately needs to have depth. And I think yellow needs it too. The more they become matte, both yellow and red, the the less depth they have, the less attractive they are in a car. I also think both yellow and red require a car with flowing lines. Yeah. Slab-sided cars in those two colors look weird.
0: And any architecture or design that stops your eye at Mm -hmm. a a design feature and your eye stops? Yeah.
1: yeah. So if you have like, uh, I'll give you a great example. This is an extreme example. But imagine an Escalade. Mm-hmm. in red or yellow. Please stop. Uh, yikes. Okay? Because yeah. it's just big slab-sided things. But imagine the uh, Ferrari California
0: yeah. or the original Testarossa,
1: yeah. the big flowing cycle fenders or the E-Type in a really nice mm-hmm. red. Those kind of flowing shapes lend themselves to red very easily. That's not really a BMW design language.
0: Funny enough, I think the new Toyota Supra works in that canary yellow. I do Despite too. Despite whether do you too. like or hate the styling, there are elements that stop your eye. Mm-hmm. But I think it works.
1: I Look, I'm a guy that I obviously own a yellow car, but I think very few cars work in yellow. And when we got to the press event and they had one yellow, we all were like, oh, that looks great. Yeah. We're very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Steven asks a question about all-wheel drive. Stephen Swartz on Facebook says, uh, we've talked up uh, Acura super handling all-wheel drive. But, of course, there are other all-wheel drives, and one of the premium ones that everybody knows, of course, is Audi Quattro. He's saying, do we feel like super handling all-wheel drive? How does it compare to Quattro? Do we like it more? And he's just kind of asking about all-wheel drive systems and their dynamics in general. Honestly, I think I like super handling all-wheel drive more than Audi Quattro. Hmm. I think the way those cars are set up, the Acuras, are less prone to understeer. Can see than that. the Quattros. Yeah, I can see And that. I feel like the Quattros are more prone. Look, I, I'm painting with a broad brush, and this isn't, it isn't as clear-cut as I'm making it, honestly. But I feel like the Quattros are prone to push, and if you add more power, they aren't as prone to find their way out of it. If they're starting to understeer, they're going to keep understeering until you just flat-out slow down. Whereas a yeah. super-handling all-wheel drive is more prone to push power around and find its way out. Sure, sure. I I'm, agree with that. Yeah. I'm talking by increments here. It, it tiny increments on the car here. It does, and, for sure. And how sure. they have
0: set up the car, yeah. too. Yeah, 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 for you know? sure. Anyway. I've got two questions that kind of relate, and you'll see when I, uh, when I answer this. First, Russell, give it in, is asking, what do we think is the brown M&M of automotive design? <laughs> <laughs> Back to color for a bit. What he means is, if the thing was designed well, then the rest of the car is more than likely well-sorted. I think my answer will surprise you. Okay. I think Tesla's. Interesting. Okay. It's well designed, Mm -hmm. well engineered. Yeah, yeah. And design encompasses not just styling; it encompasses the entire package. So, how they've positioned it, what it is, what it's done to turn the industry on its ear, Hmm. and then everybody who owns a Tesla just says, "Well, they just work. It's just sorted. Okay, just works. My car just works." Now, there's every car company. You know, again, that's a. Broad statement. Here's your things,
1: yeah. That but I think issue, Tesla's. Yeah.
0: I mean, I thought of Alphas because the Julia the was a brand new platform. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. despite its, you know, having troubles with various things, I think that's a, a low voltage issue. I do think it's the battery issue, the OEM battery Maybe,
1: thing. who knows, yeah.
0: But new platform, and they just, they just seem to work. Like, great, finally new platform, and it just, it's working. I mean, yes, there's the exceptions, maybe more so than other car companies. But, but uh, I just, I thought, all right, Alphas might make the list. But then Ed, the slide over here says, will Tesla always keep the look of its current models or will mm. it update the body style to stay relevant? Because, you know, aren't there people who don't want Tesla simply because they're now so common? <laughs>
1: Crazy to <laughs> Depends say. Depends where you live, yes. It does but, depend where uh, you live, for sure, yeah. and
0: And the style is getting dated. Well, keep in mind, Tesla, yes, as much as they have poked everybody else. They don't have the infinite resources in comparison to Volkswagen, GM, Ford, Toyota, and they're a Nissan. cash fire. They're a cash yeah, fire. Yeah, they still are a cash fire. Yeah. So that means they can't afford to do the refresh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as quickly as some other car companies. Even though I think you know companies like Nissan are sitting on their hands refreshing yes. various things. Very true. They've got the bucks to be able to cut new tooling. And go produce new sheet metal. And Mm -hmm. that is very, very, very expensive. Plus, Mm -hmm. crash testing Mm -hmm. for the the new design from the A-pillar forward, it's a lot of money to go do that. So, because of that, because Tesla, in comparison, is a tiny little car company. Yeah, for sure. They don't have the capital expenditure to be able to completely redesign. So, therefore, they're limited to those mid-cycle refresh things. Mm -hmm. They just change the urethane. They just change the front clip. Or maybe it's a... All right, we went as far as a new hood and a headlight design. That's well,
1: far. They're also more focused because of their software background and the way that their cars are designed. They're much more focused in pushing out software tweaks that do this new thing exactly than they right. are about the styling because the styling to some degree, what even though on one level, from a car maker perspective, the styling is now old. But at the same time, that styling is known to be a Tesla. So if you keep updating what's going on inside, then the styling is just, well, that's what a Tesla
0: looks like. Exactly. So you've got older models now doing the exact same electronic things Mm -hmm. as the new ones right out of the factory. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting take on what it means to refresh your car. That's a very different mindset than, all right, so new sheet metal, new fenders. You know, we've got a big project here. We're going all the way. The hood and the doors stay the same. Everything else can go. That's a different mindset. So the car is refreshed. Again, because of the electronics. That's fascinating to me. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of, you
1: know, we want, you know, cooler, sleeker, whatever, new Teslas. I don't think we're going to see that as much. Interesting. I've got one last one. I'm wondering about this. I think I could answer this, honestly, any of the choices I think I could answer with. But I'm just going to try to unpack it real quick. Christopher M. on uh, Instagram says, choose to update one car from the ground up. Subaru STI. Oh, Nissan 370Z or Honda S2000. (laughs) Woof. In order to kind of clear this up, I'm going to say I'm going to take the Honda S2000 out because it isn't currently being sold. Okay. So it has to be rethought, reintroduced. I actually am going to go 370Z. Because I don't think, look, the Subaru STI needs new engine, new thing, let's go. But they're not going to stray that far. Yeah. Because that's always going to be connected. Subaru has had such an explosion in success in their lineup here in the States. And they're known for certain things. They're not going to stray too far from the things that have made their brand explode in people's minds and safety and that kind of things. So they're not going to go too far out. They can take some of the new stuff they have, and they can make a new different STI. And, of course, they're doing it again. Subaru saying, here's the look of our new Impreza. And I am not believing it. I'm not believing it. I don't <laughs> care. I'm, not I'm believing it. it. Face. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> but the STI is going to be whatever it's going to be, and it's going to stay close enough to their lineup that they, you can see it from there. The Nissan 370Z is now an orphan car hmm. because it's not the halo car like the GTR. It's not. It's no, not the car, like, no. whoa, they make that. But it's also like nothing else in their lineup. So it isn't the bragging rights car of the GTR, the big boy, and it isn't anything else that is a bland CUV with a CVT. It's an orphan car. Huh. Yeah, good it point. It desperately needs to be, okay, we have, and, and also it's the rare car in the Japanese world that has just been around and been an icon for a long time and almost 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 been sold straight through. So let's take that because the S 2000 drops kind of out of the sky and is this thing that is awesome during the, the Honda heyday, the Z car's got history. Yeah. So let's take the Z car and let's make a new Z car and let's get Nissan back in the thick of it. That's excellent.
0: Actually. I like that. Last question for me from Jared Rose on Facebook. Will we ever run into an issue where the classic cars actually begin to depreciate? we wish. For example, a 63 Corvette Stringray or the more extreme, you know, a Duesenberg Model J or a Packard Twin Six. I don't think so. I think we've seen some interest ebb and flow, but in general, those, you know, those Duesenbergs will still be 500 to 800,000. And, you know, other cars will start to go back up, but I do actually think we're in for a change over the next decade or two
1: mm-hmm. because
0: of all the electric cars coming at us. And so internal combustion engines will be this rare thing. This you own one of special those. Special. That's interesting. Wow. We'll we'll and not see. only is it you know in the shape of a Porsche or the shape of a BMW or whatever, it's got
1: a gasoline engine too. Wow. Well, but I think there's another factor here, and I hate to say it this way, but the other factor is the cars drop as the people that like them die. I hate to say it that way, <laughs> that but is twenty years rough. ago, That's but brutal. twenty years ago, those cars of the forties, fifties, were now. Look, I know inflation's a thing, and I know cars in general have jumped in twenty in the last twenty mm-hmm. years, just in general. But those were the cars that were like the big toast of the show. Mm-hmm. The forties, mm-hmm. you know, the forties, fifties, like the post World War II stuff. That stuff's died out, and the muscle cars have risen. Why? Because those guys died out and the old yeah. guys with money are now the guys that are looking back on their high school years in the muscle cars. <laughs> yeah. And then that's bringing up the air cooled Porsche era. True. That now is true. spiking. And then we're just that swath. We've talked about this before. That swath that's going along through history is just starting to reach late eighties mm-hmm. and start to bubble <laughs> up. It's like, you know, you know, like if you've ever it's surfed like MR2s and Supras, if, and- if you've ever surfed and you're trying to catch a wave, and you're waiting on the wave there's that moment when it almost feels like the water goes away because it's starting to get sucked into the beginning of the next wave yeah and the rise you can feel the rise coming that's where those early 90s japanese cars that's are good right yeah. at the
0: beginning of that wave although i have read articles about younger people discovering the old stuff and sure. now i i do feel like there is a a part of the car world gravitating towards that. It's not like, you know, suddenly it's replaced with a whole new generation interested in these kinds of cars. Not saying that, but never will Tucker torpedoes be on sale for $30,000. Guys, I got this cool thing. I don't even know what it is, but it's $30,000. So I bought it. No, that's, I don't think that's really going to happen.
1: Jay Leno has like the largest, best running latest and greatest steam car collection in the world, partially because he's Jay Leno and he has money. And also because no one else cares. I don't mean that to be tacky, but everybody that cared isn't around with money to buy those cars anymore. Yeah, and it takes some money to keep them running. Mm-hmm. And, and Jay Leno's got enough driving. money and just general car interest about across the entire history of cars that he's going to keep them running. Well, his mechanic... Uh, a yes, few years ago, this. you told yeah. me I, I forget his name, but he was you know
0: early 30s, and he was the world's foremost expert on steam powered cars. He's roughly our age, so a ten years guy. ago
1: he was like late 20s, yeah. early 30s, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was the world's best steam mechanic because his dad and his grandfather taught him. And I just thought, thank God you bumped into Jay Leno, <laughs> exactly. because otherwise it's like having a PhD in Chaucer. It's like <laughs> you, where are you got to what are you going to do with that? I knew somebody that did that by the way. <laughs> wow, they finally left their PhD program at the age of 35 with the PhD in Chaucer, and I thought you're going to teach. Do you know what they do now? Probably I'm teach. Really curious. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, yeah, I, job for life for the, the yes. steam-powered guy.
1: As well as long as Jay Leno has, has steam cars, and mm. that guy's got a job. But after that, where do you go? I see your resume is really
0: steam-heavy. <laughs> what else do you got going on? Have you worked on anything other than steam? <laughs> Guys, thanks a million for all your uh, questions, your interest. Drop us a line. Love to hear from you. And uh, like I said, we've got a lot going on through the coming, uh, the remainder of 2019. Lots of shooting going on. And um, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.